Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I am your host, Kevin Wallace. And before we dive into this past weekend's Matt, we actually have a word from our sponsor, the Reese E. Price Academy 5K 10K Fun Run. Calling all soccer fans and runners. Are you looking for a fun and meaningful way to support students and educators? Well, lace up your sneakers and get ready to support a great cause, the Reese E. Price Academy. They are a neighborhood public school in East Price Hill, and they are holding their first ever 5K, 10K fun run to support the school community on Saturday, April 15th. With music, post-race food, raffles, and prizes, the Reese E. Price Academy Fun Run is a family-friendly event that's sure to be a blast. And best of all, every dollar raised goes directly to the school, providing resources for their school community. Come on out on Saturday, April 15th, and show your support for your neighborhood public school. Register today and be a part of something truly special. You can register at bit.ly slash R-E-P-A run, or just use the link in the description. Use promo code POST and save 20% on registrations, or don't use that and give them the full price, you cheap jerk. Thank you very much to Reese E. Price Academy 5K 10K Fun Run for sponsoring this episode and for being our first ever sponsor. And we have a heck of an episode coming up for you as we recap that incredible one nothing victory over the seattle sounders at home you know we're talking about das boot probably too much brenner back on the score sheet is this one of the most important wins in fc cincinnati history we debate that question jonah is here with fcc headlines and we get into so much more i really hope you enjoy this episode and that'll be your cincy postcast Joining me to talk about that Seattle win, huh? Finally, justice for Bertone. It comes in the Queen City. We've got Grayson and Chief, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to start saying, as always, joined by Jonah of Knifey Lion Radio. Uh, we'll uh, we'll set the table here with some headlines coming out of that thrilling one nothing victory, despite the referee's best efforts uh, over the Seattle Sounders. FC Cincinnati remains unbeaten on the uh, the season. Jonah, what was your favorite uh, Das Boot memory from last night? <laughs> Uh, it was kind of it changed based on who I saw with it. I saw a, a dainty uh, young lass. I don't know. Why am I talking like that? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, early 20s, a, a slight woman holding it. I was like, it doesn't look so weird. And then I saw like a gruff, like six foot dude. And it looked like the tiniest little thimble. <laughs> so uh, I'd love to get Shaq's hand on one of those and probably fit on his uh, pinky finger. But uh, all in all, it seemed like a success because I saw Das Boots everywhere. Well, you know, <laughs> not to just jump right into it. I saw this uh, headline in the Rex Ryan <laughs> Times foot binding Das Boot dismay at dainty drink decanter dominates downtown discourse. <laughs> could say that again. <laughs> oh, just incredible use of the alliteration from that uh, esteemed publication, of course. <laughs> right. I mean, it's obviously that's where they would they would cover that there, I think. Um, 
Did we get conf- did we get did we get confirmation it was the same boot that was in the original picture that was posted? It was never going to be. I think I believe Pat reported at the time that what they showed was a um was just a like a demo. Cuz they said uh, that it, they said the real one was going to have like cleats and uh laces, you know, like more oh, detail. They did. They did. Damn. It's so strange. <laughs> so strange looking. <laughs> Chief, did you uh, did you partake in the uh, the boot? No, I'm a I'm a strictly tall boy individual. Um, the other problem with the the DOS boot that I really think that we the uh, the Super Content League, the Post, whoever you want to, whatever we're calling ourselves based on our whim this week, we really yes. need to to get on this idea of 3D printing and selling a DOS boot holder that you put into your cup holder that then allows your cup holder to fit DOS boot. I think there's a market for this. Like an insert, you insert, you insert the 3D printed holder into the drink holder. And that has like, almost like maybe like one of those things, like you used to go to a shoe store back in the day that they would use to measure your foot. Maybe something like that, that they can slide into. (laughs) I don't know if they even have those anymore. Doesn't everybody just, I don't know, buy their shoes online and hope they fit when they show up, right? I I did get a, a boot, and I ran into this exact issue. I think I knew that going in, right? Like, it's a weird shape. And I just uh, kind of uncomfortably placed it as if I had a third foot. And so I just sort of put my other feet around <laughs> my boot to try to keep it standing upright. I did not have any problems, but those cleats aren't as sturdy as you might think they are. And uh, yeah, no, it's a precarious situation there. Grayson, did you did you partake in the boot? I did not, but um, I was I was wow. in a group of five, and each of the other four did. And so, like, wow, uh, yeah, and it was a it was a big hit uh, in in my group, and it was funny watching uh, my sister's boyfriend walk out carrying four empty <laughs> DOS boots <laughs> because as soon as they got empty, it gets you know it gets handed off, and it's like, oh, you hold this. So the real the real test will be to what degree they check at the next home game if you are bringing in a boot on your own. And so we might have to go um, to our resident expert on bringing a cup into TQL Stadium, (laughs) Jonah here. Jonah, can you offer some tips to the people who might be thinking to themselves, should I keep this boot or not? Is it worth my time to try and bring this in at the next game? I've got a solution. I've got one right away. You, If you have multiple, you attach them to a string. Say you're bringing in a novelty noisemaker. You just loved it so much. Who would dare stop somebody at the gate who is being creative and using something that you've sold at uh, TQL? Or just bring one in half full of beer. They might let you in, too, because <laughs> they, uh, they're still kind of lax. Uh, my wife mentioned that the last game we came in, we always bring a cup, of course, but like the, the lady who like scanned us and walked us through looking the other direction, totally distracted, not paying any attention. And this was at first financial club. So the more things change, the more they stay the same. I, I feel like I do, I do feel like security has not been super tight on, on making sure people are in the first financial club who belong in the first financial club because the section was sold out apparently last year, but we're two games in and I feel like there's way, way more people in there um, than there were last year. I, I do remember last year at some point. So like I'm not always 
the best at following the Ohio Revised Code's open container policy when going to matches at um, TQL Stadium. Kevin, I believe we've walked a few times from Northern Road, maybe partaking in a, uh, a road beverage or two. The, just... uh, the to-go six-pack from Northern Road can be pretty clutch. <laughs> and I distinctly remember one time last year, and I'm, I don't remember which game it was, where I walked up to security and I still had basically a full beer because I'd cracked a second one open on the march. And I set it down on the spot where you put your wallet and your keys <laughs> by security. And the person like looked at it and said, you can't, you can't, you have to finish that outside. And I said, no, no, don't worry. I will. And I just walked through <laughs> and just confidently walked in, continuing to drink my beer. I made it all the way to the Bailey with like a can from Northern Row. <laughs> I will say the key to anything, uh, getting anything into TQL Stadium is confidence. If you just look like and act like you know what you're doing, they will fold like a like a house of cards. Let me tell you, I've gotten in, uh, I would say, not policy uh, compliant camera lenses before uh plenty of people without tickets have made their way through there um and yeah i think i've mentioned this on the the pod but it's a running goal of mine to not scan my own ticket when going into the game so i have a legal ticket i just like the thrill of knowing i didn't need it uh as i get into the game i don't know if this is putting him on blast but our one of our own associates uh joseph mamay told me he already turned his dos boot into a diy flashlight so <laughs> i just want to say congratulations That's, you know what you should never doubt the ingenuity of the human spirit especially with joseph may <laughs> I mean, that's pretty the impressive. Only, the only Looking person good. who is not complaining about the boots going down in size. He, uh, <laughs> oh, oh. I, I, I believe all all flashlights are DIY. DIY. <laughs> that's true. But before that's, we that's get off this topic, that's not what the ads on that one website I go to say. <laughs> I'd hate to get off this topic too soon. So let me quickly. I saw this in uh, Better Homes and Gardens magazine. Underage drinking. Rogue beer vendors fill baby boots with Satan's breast milk as fans suckle at the teat QL. Thank you. Sorry. Just wanted to make sure I got my uh, Das Boot headline in there. Did anything else even happen Saturday night? I don't know. Uh, the, the crowd uh, got kind of into it. I saw this, uh, I saw this headline in um, Rolling Stone magazine. Fans in the Bailey deflate tense moments by cheering on Brazilian star with new chant, Let's Go Brenner. <laughs> why not i think it was in the I, I think it was in the 41st minute and then after the after seattle called for a head ball handball um heard a lot of uh let's go brenner and it seemed to have upset seattle fans <laughs> he did he did hit the richard nixon pose after scoring the goal i think uh pete on the discord pointed that out and at that moment i've never loved brenner more so job well done <laughs> is he a bolsonaro fan did we did we get to the bottom of that he had some likes or some retweets late last year that seemed to suggest yeah and isn't isn't the famous richard nixon pose when he was piecing out yeah yeah so it's brenner's like see ya i'm out of here I'm on the score sheet. You won't have Brenner to kick around any longer. (laughs) If he goes to China, he can, you know, he can open up China with his uh, with his piece. So there you go. On the subject of the uh, the crowds, I saw this headline. This was in the uh, the infamous Idaho Potato. Mm. Um, 
They're the Carlos Mencia of soccer. Insufferable St. Louis fans pivot to screaming copycat after FCC goes all in on the word fuck. (laughs) (laughs) We invented fuck. The fuck Seattle chant rang out and... Other than Louisville and Columbus, I don't think we've ever heard a really clear, loud, fuck, insert city here chant, at least in TQL. I'm struggling to remember if we did it at Nippert. I'm, pr- I'm pretty I, sure we did it. Did we not do it against Houston? We have to have done it against Columbus. I, I refuse yeah, to well, believe it's yeah, never Fuck happened. you, Frankie was probably the loudest yeah, fuck of you, all Frankie, of them. That's right. <laughs> yeah, Frankie's up there. That's no, Columbus, a... yes. Louisville, yes. I remember those. I don't. I don't know if we've done that before. So, was it fuck yeah. City? How How do you do it with the the syllables on Louisville? What was it? Fuck, Maybe it was fuck just Louisville's foolish. Louisville is full of shit. Is what they do. Yeah, yeah Louisville's full of shit. I don't know. I um. I enjoy the energy. It's uh, you yeah. just you gotta. Seattle's one of those clubs too, where it's it always it feels bigger when you play Seattle or Portland, no matter how good they are. Like this year, they happen to be pretty good. It seems like, but even when they're not good, it's Seattle. It's like everyone everyone watches them on the late night MLS. They've got the reputation as being the wild fans. Everyone has seen the fight and win video. It's just they're a they're they're a very hateable group of people. And it feels good to beat them. So, yeah, I, I don't I, I know that the um, the announcers I watched the replay today were talking about how this sounds like a rivalry that's been going on for a lot longer than it really has. And in that way, there's really no rivalry between these two teams. But I'm I'm, I'm OK with it. I'll allow it. Yeah. And it's it's not the most creative chant, but it seems to have bothered them. Like, <laughs> yeah. What, it also bothered a shitload of people off online because uh, you didn't have to go far today to find the uh, the takes on Facebook. What's what I mean? Elsewhere. Like their fans were throwing a fit about it. Well, our fans were throwing a fit about it. Like there were people yeah, talking about, about you can't bring your kids to the game. <laughs> I thought this was a family friendly establishment. <laughs> uh, it'd be interesting to see if uh, if word gets down from Carl to the Bailey to chill out. But at the same time, like all of the Seattle players basically said, like, that was a lot of fun to play in, that the environment was was top notch. And is it fair to say Seattle is essentially the the Lakers or the Patriots of back in the day, the Yankees of MLS? Like LAFC is too new to have that, but like Seattle won everything consistently in the playoffs. Like literally last year was their only bad year since joining the league. And they won the champions league last year. Like, well, I think, I, think I, need to, the, I need to correct you immediately. Given please. what we kind of know about Carl Linder, I'll bet it's not the first time he said, fuck Seattle. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> Making some calls to some prominent officials to see if he right. can't make a difference. Yes. It's like seeing fo- <laughs> seeing footage of the chop zone on Tucker Carlson. It's like, fuck these people. <laughs> Tom Brenneman, like, talk about. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Uh, Jonah, what else you got for us? Well, you know, speaking of. I think we can all agree nothing gets our fans going more than a bad referee call. Uh, I think it's what unites us more than anything, even on the field, even more than goals. And so 
I've got three. You know how TMZ does? They get a story, they latch on, and it's just headline after headline. I have three headlines in a row here. <laughs> Let me. I'll burn through them pretty quick. Clean up in section one eighteen. Coach Goff soils his leader hose and as teak crowd turns on referee. And then they had this one. Anyone order chocolate pudding? Coach plays off bow disaster after fans blow their anus on the ref. Did you guys see this third one? An inconvenient poop. Goff blames air quality for the putrid smell emanating from his sopping wet browned dungarees. I say that's two headlines too many. But, uh, <laughs> but see, it's, it's all about that content aggregation. You keep re-uploading the same story with a new headline to generate more clicks absolutely it's, just, it's very much tmz behavior it's not i like surprising. to I, I know i'd like to say you know coach all that's in the past uh, i did see him what he went after uh, a couple of decisions on twitter i think i think he learned his lesson on that one never defend the refs even when they're right and they weren't right a lot so uh yeah we'll come to jesus but uh am i wrong in saying that like a cincinnati crowd lives off hating referees ever since like guido yeah, we we look for it and thrive off of it because the idea of having a narrative that the world is against us, everything is against us, is just too enticing to pass up when presented to a crowd like that. I don't, I'll go, I'll go yeah. one step further, too, that like the way TQL Stadium is built, where everyone complains the hallways are too crowded, right? Like the concourses are too crowded, the stadium's yeah. too small. People say, oh... This place feels dangerous. Someone's going to get hurt. Yeah, half the allure of TQL Stadium is that it feels a little dangerous on the inside. It's not like these places like Nashville or St. Louis or Columbus where there's big open air concourses or Austin where you can, you know, you can look in the corners and you can see the sunset and you can see the city. It's completely surrounded. You know, the bowl is closed off. It's narrow. It's tight. And the stadium is at its best when it feels angry and hostile, like a riot might break out at any second. And there is no better way to start that feeling than everyone directing their ire at one person on the field, the referee. <laughs> and, you know, Seattle was Seattle was playing into it, which is, I think, what the, the crowd was uh, uh, feeling. Because, you know, actually, I found, a, I found a headline about Seattle's strategy coming into the game. Um, uh <clears throat> Sounders players go for Oscar for getting calls from ref, uh, trying to get cast in the Fablemans. <laughs> That's topical. Nothing Beautiful else. cadence, Grayson. Yeah, it was it was it was written differently, and you know, it just didn't work. They're, it's so hard to freestyle them. Trust me. Um, but no, what was the the best part of that game too? Was Gaddis trucks some dude, or not? Well, the best part, one of the best parts of the game. He trucks some dude. The guy asked for a hand up, and he's just like, absolutely not. Fuck off. <laughs> the, again, the, it's the, and the crowd goes crazy feeding off the negativity and the pettiness of, no, you went to ground too easy. I am not helping you back up. Get up on your own. You're completely fine. Was it's, this the game that Ray Gaddis became cool? Because he had a couple of great moments throughout this this match. I mean, one, the recovery to uh, to bail out uh, Celentano on that uh, Jordan Morris open net play. But uh, allegedly, other folks in First Financial said that they heard uh, Gaddis talking shit to uh, uh, to Jordan Morris. So if that is the case, I'm way in. And then he untucks his shirt at the end of the game. Who is this guy? <laughs> you know, you can tell Seattle was frustrated with Morris's lack of uh, 
lack of effectiveness because they kind of moved him around a bit. And mm-hmm. uh, this was also noticed in The Hollywood Reporter. Um, uh, Seattle pulls out all the stops trying to find position where Jordan Morris can be effective, playing him at everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> Noticing a very wow, Oscar it's done movie, yeah. headlines from you, and I really should have expected it. <laughs> Did no, you guys? <laughs> I I would have that, specifically that one that one play that you talked about bailing out your Celentano uh, on the Jordan Morris thing. I would have probably just had to delete accounts and leave the internet if Jordan Morris scores that way. I mean, he's a human polygon. He runs like a ps1 character going through a midlife crisis with that hair of his and if he scores there i'm i'm done i have to i have to leave the internet i can't i can't be seen in polite company anymore having lived through jordan Morris scoring that way <laughs> i uh, i did tweet uh at some point in the game i really don't remember this but i chuckled at myself looking back on it this morning um jermaine jones was right so that was that was nice um Jonah, you got any more? Um, Of course. Well, you know, we had at one point most of the first half, it was about 60 40 possession. Uh, And I don't know if you saw, did you hear Miazga's post game? He said, We dominated. He said, I was like, Go Mm. say it, Miazga, say it. (laughs) Um, But one of the, we were lucky. I didn't see Raul Rui Diaz in the first half. We had somebody else out there, and there was a headline about it from Billboard magazine Brian Schmetzer Orchestra's Vintage Revival Falls Flat (laughs) as MLS 1.0's Freddie Montero fails to jump and or jive a shot on target. (laughs) I honestly didn't realize Freddie Montero was in the game until they subbed him off. I was like, Hey, Freddie Montero. Good for him, but not a great game. I just appreciate yeah. I just appreciate any reference to the 20 minutes that swing music got popular again in the mid 90s. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to work in some swingers quotes and uh, your money, baby, just didn't really make any. Nothing about any no one wearing a zoot suit either. So we were spared that as well. <laughs> also, like how just this is a really off topic tangent on that. How in the world did pop music allow a group called the Cherry Pop and Daddies to become popular? And no one was like, you got to change your name, guys. That was that that, too that far was off, Scott. Pre pre grooming uh, culture, I guess. <laughs> wow, it didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> Save the <Jesus>. children. <laughs> I uh, I would have gotten this wrong. I swore Freddie Montero played for the Portland Timbers. Are you thinking uh, of but he did Jim, not. Jamiro Montero? Played for Vancouver. Maybe. But yeah, he's played for Vancouver twice and Seattle uh, twice as well. I could have swore there was a third time in there, but no. Um, so there you go. Well, I found go this headline from the uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway racing form. Um, <laughs> not all sunshine in the game. He's got that dog so in him. Teammates laud Nick Haglund's efforts at stopping breakaway <laughs> shot. Um, I still want a better replay I I not only want a better replay I also want to know how how that got called a red when the guy makes like three takes three steps after being hit and then decides shit I'm not going to get to this ball so I'm going to fall down and somehow they called that a foul instead of a you know a flop it's a little I mean definitely was a foul don't get me wrong on that but like the man made a football move after contact took two more steps and then decided, shit, I'm going to fall. But you can't give a red for that. I'm sorry. So 
I think you have some unwritten rules of soccer being sort of laid bare in this play because as the rule, I don't know, as the game is sort of supposed to be played there, um, he's supposed to fight through the foul, run, get the ball, advantage is played, and then he'll get probably a bad shot because Miazga would have made up the ground by then and that would have been the end of the play for Seattle that that's in all likelihood how that would have gone and in that case the attacker gets no benefit for having fought through the foul to generate a less optimal offensive play so they have to go to ground but what happened here is Haglin fucked up the foul and then slipped and wasn't able to recover to like jump on his back or whatever the next move was going to be and it just made more sense for for Seattle to just go to ground there and hope to God that the referee sort of understood what was happening and played it accordingly. Now, if you want to say Miazka would have been there and he, he wasn't the last guy, so it shouldn't have been a red, I'm happy to argue that. But, like, this is kind of the problem soccer has that needs to be solved. Like, advantage needs to be given there. And if it's not a really good shooting opportunity, maybe they get the ball again. Like, it's very weird. I don't know how you solve this problem, but you're just going to continue to see more diving on half-hearted fouls like this because you get nothing for playing through it i don't know so am i alone here i thought Co- i thought coach goff was right that Rui diaz fouled him first and mm. that went and that went uncalled but i do think that when you go back and they look at it on var this is where their standard kind of fucks up the review because i don't think he's allowed to go back and look at whether Rui diaz fouled him first since he yeah. called the foul on Haglin. So his only choice at that point is to is to say, okay, I'm Examine stuck with I'm foul. stuck with, yeah. with the Haglin foul. So then I have to decide is is this a defense of a goal scoring opp- goal scoring opportunity? Um, and you know I think there's a good argument that that Miazga would have had that would have had that covered, but also like what the fuck took him so long to call the foul in the first place? Yeah, that was weird. This is the problem that VAR introduces in the game, which is you can't you can't trust your gut instinct and you have to double guess it because that lays the criteria for how you're allowed to examine it later. Well, it's very it's in the NFL, VAR. you know, the whole aspect is <laughs> in the NFL, like the whole play is 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 up for review. Mm-hmm. And he, you're not well, you're not stuck with necessarily like that second or right. that window of thing, yeah. And it's one thing, too, that it's a big difference between the two VAR situations, because in this situation, it the first VAR or the second VAR that FC Cincinnati benefited from with the uh, the goal situation, which I'm sure we'll talk about, there was no call made. The referee clearly didn't see what had happened behind the play. And as soon as he gets the replay thing, he looks, oh, OK, I clearly didn't see something here. I'm going to have to go back and, and make the correction. Did you see the ref on- look at the monitor on that one? Barely. He like glanced at it and just no, like, all right. No. I thought I during the game, I thought I saw the ref look up at the big screen over the Bailey and react Ooh. to seeing the foul on the replay that showed in the stadium. Because <laughs> by the time he actually <laughs> he gets goes the over the monitor, monitor he, and then he's like, oh, whatever. Like, yeah, barely looks at it. But in this case, the difference is, is that he looked at this play. 
and he awarded a yellow to Hagland. So like he clearly made a decision that this wasn't a denial play, awarded the yellow. And if you make that call on the field, I'm, I'm, I'm now at a loss for what the standard is for VAR. Because if VAR is just to correct a clear and obvious error in the referee's judgment or to mop up something the referee might not have seen, the referee saw this, gave it a yellow in real time. And I'm sorry, there's nothing that you can show me on that replay that convinces me it's a clear error to give a, a yellow on that play. So, Because for any number of reasons, that number one, that the guy kept running and fell, which questions whether or not he was actually fouled in the first place. Number two, Miazga has the ability to cover, you know, possibly that. Like if the if the call in the field is a yellow, I don't think you can overturn that by VAR. If the call in the field is a red, if he gives the red right there, I don't think there's enough to overturn it on VAR either way. Um, and it stays as a red. But the idea that like he saw it, gave a yellow, went over to the monitor, and somehow they claim that there was enough to overturn it is just bullshit. I'm sorry. It's bullshit. So I, I'm a little bit more confused today about what the standard of VAR is because I watched uh, part of the Charlotte-Atlanta game yesterday, and the announcer said something that that I'm going to be thinking about for the next week because it made like absolutely no sense to me. <laughs> um, so they called a... Um, they called a foul on Atlanta in the box and awarded the, – the ref called a, a foul uh, on Atlanta in the box and awarded uh, Charlotte a penalty. And then he got called to the monitor. He spent a bunch of time looking at it, and then he reversed the call. And the the announcers didn't seem to think it was clear and obvious, but then – I forget who was calling that game. But he said something where he said, well, the standard for calling him to look at the monitor is it has to be clear and obvious – but when the ref is looking at it on the monitor, it's just what does he think the right call is? And I'm like, whoa, that, that can't that that can't be it. There's no way because it because it's like clear and obvious would be a higher standard to call him over to the monitor in the first place. They've got it flipped. Yeah, yeah it should be like, hey man, take a, take a second look at this. You may or may not have gotten this right. And then yeah, oh my god, ah uh, Jesus, ah. Uh, Jonah, how many more red cards <laughs> would we have gotten in uh, Pride 2 if we had VAR back then? <laughs> I would have had a multi I'm probably been suspended the whole season, especially if language uh, <laughs> took a part in that. I did think they got the the linesman was involved in some way. I don't know if like I thought I remember him looking mm. at the linesman like the linesman signal something. So I don't know. Maybe he wasn't going to give a yellow card and the linesman said to. I don't, I don't know something. Well, he probably would always give me a yellow card, but I, this is what I, I thought I remembered. I don't know. There are so many like of those plays like that, but there was one where I was like, I think the linesman called this and he didn't call it at all. And then, so maybe he hadn't seen it, but yeah, I don't know. It was very strange. I mean, it but, wasn't um, the only strange decision that the referees had in this game too. I saw this in, um, Nintendo power magazine. Um, <laughs> it goes to 100. Pro referee clock punches FCC, allowing Trimer to hit triple digits for no real reason. <laughs> I didn't realize how bad it was till I got home and like I had set my watch timer to what was it? Nine minutes. Yeah. And halfway through, I accidentally like stopped it and I tried to restart it. And so I couldn't really I was like, I didn't know how accurate it was, but I didn't realize it went 
like four minutes longer than what I had set it yeah. for. And I was like, yeah. it's got to be time. I was like, all right, here's the goal kick. Everyone's standing up. There was like two minutes going. after that. Yeah. And they were just like, okay, they're really just going to let them just keep going and going. And they're like, we're going to play a back pass to Ian Murphy and we're going to fucking <laughs> blow this game right here. So, I mean, to survive all of that, we basically survived half of extra time, like, or yeah, an extra time and like a fucking knockout tournament. So yeah. good on us. Now, I was, I was standing next to someone and they said, how long is this going to go on for? And the response was basically until Seattle scores is what it felt like. <laughs> like. They were just, they were just waiting. It's like, nope, nope. They haven't scored yet. We more time just let it keep rolling yeah it did, did you guys it did feel that way did you see this in um this was on breitbart it was uh after we right after that horrible uh var decision rope gate 2.0 front of the barley gathers six feet of pregame rope and attempt to stop the steal after ref sees red on nick hagland <laughs> oh they were angry especially the guy with the horns on his helmet <laughs> as long as the uh, the bailey doesn't begin erecting uh gallows for the referee i think we'll i think we'll be okay i, well, I don't know mob mentality i might be the one letting go of that rope <laughs> can, can you build a gallows out of plastic boots <laughs> god damn it we'll try but you know back to some positive things did you guys see this this was uh in the uh, Laurel Fowler's Queen City Press. Bar y'all wins FCC spelling bee. The word rolled on. Verb. Use it in a sentence. Those two brothers got repeatedly rolled on. Sorry, I don't know what's going on. Uh, another one, you know, I was like, this guy played for USA. He hasn't done fucking jack shit in this first half. So I think, you know, for all the names that we know on Seattle, which are a lot, I think we did a pretty... I don't know, spectacular job of pretty much quieting everybody that all these known names that Seattle has. I think that is a big deal. Why the, why a big reason why the game feels like a big deal is that like with any sports team, the the shorthand for whether or not they're any good is how many guys on this team can I name? Yeah. And I can name a lot. I, even before this game, I can name a lot of people that played on Seattle. Like I don't I don't even follow this team. And it's like new who pops up for the first. I'm like, oh, he's still there. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's actually like kind of how one of uh, Seattle center backs got his name uh, because the, they asked his dad just to name two presidents. <laughs> nope. I'm not going to laugh and sell that one. <laughs> I, I'm here to serve my duty. There we go. <laughs> oh my god, uh, Jonah, did you uncover any others? Um, well, this one was from late in the game as we were holding on for dear life. This was um, from Variety magazine. Blue and orange cat Stevens Marco Angelo proves the first touch is the weakest and second substitution appearance. <laughs> Let this guy start, okay? He's got to get his touch out there, all right? But I love. <laughs> seeing that hair bounce around i don't care how many times he gives that ball away god bless him no that's just residuals from being a chelsea fan with willian for all those years as i see that kind of hair go rolling by i'm like this guy's got it <laughs> tbd folks tbd i have nothing to base this off of but i am uh, marco angulo's number one fan and i really want him to do well this is this is my mission in life but to prove that i i just you know it's all about the color of the jersey you wear who is that dude that played for man united feloni feloni wow. oh yeah feloni and i hated that guy and he had just an incredible you know set of hair on him well, you would have really enjoyed his Bronson Arroyo Red Sox uh, era when he played for Everton and had uh, cornrows. So, 
He really he did some work making everyone forget that he had cornrows when he was in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did see a folk singer, yeah. <laughs> I, I did see this one. This one was from the uh the failing New York Times. No comment. That's the, that's the headline. Because <laughs> apparently that was what that was Brenner. So he was yeah. responsible for writing that one. I uh, was going to ask about that. I mean, he had a good game. Obviously, the goal is there. Is he just not going to talk to us until he leaves? Because like every question is going to be like, Brenner, this goal gets you one one step closer out the door, eh? Like, I don't know what, what we're supposed to get from him until then, so... Not a lot of square balls for Brandon Vasquez, I can tell you that much, as he uh, fired that shot into the side netting. I was like, oh, you could have cut that yeah. one back, buddy. <laughs> I mean, I guess that yeah. is a weird dynamic when you've got two strikers that are both attempting to move over to Europe. It's not really conducive for team play to a certain extent. No. <laughs> you got to convince them that, like, assists are goal contributions and we will sell your goal contributions to other teams because yeah if they're both going to play selfish ball here it's not going to end well for either one of them like somebody's going to have to give it up it's 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 so far it hasn't been an issue but if it turns into you know everyone doing their impersonation to the seagulls from finding nemo it's going to be a fucking problem for this team (laughs) yeah this was always like the worry about acosta but he is I don't know, got rid of that complaint, I'd say, after like the first couple of months under Stom. It was like, oh, all right, no, he gets it. But he's lost uh, the ability to nutmeg, unfortunately, in the last couple of that games. That is true. Well, he's also got the yips. They put like three people around him, and he can... That's it's true. like the scene in Jaws. You know, he can he can nutmeg one person or two person, but he can't nutmeg three people, not with three people on him. <laughs> but he'll fucking try. That's for goddamn sure. <laughs> Speaking of our best players, I got one last one for you guys. Um, this is from Eurosport. Did they just sell merchandise or did they actually talk about soccer? Who couldn't remember? Uh, <laughs> Noonan holds the key to the Ballon d'Or as he transforms Mascara into the trophy favorite. What do we think about our uh, <laughs> best 11 center back? I think Doyle had uh, Matt Miazga as his like, preseason best 11 center back, but uh, he was close, but not quite. <laughs> <laughs> the, just uh, a little off the mark, yeah. The uh, the the pride the uh the admin for that sack tweeted i i I rarely laugh out loud reading twitter but it was they posted a screenshot of a dm sent to the wolves thank you for your son he is our son now and we will be keeping him (laughs) he's everything we wanted uh, to be isn't he yeah, he, he is literally the Viasia that was promised. Yeah, <laughs> including like the getting into it. Like there was a scuffle and he ran from like the other side of the field, had nothing to do with it. And he was like right in the mix. He was upset. He was angry. There was no reason for him to be. And I fucking loved it. He was just yeah, I, he wanted a yellow card bad. No, I, I judge players on that. Like when a skirmish breaks out on the field, what are you doing in that? And I, that's why I love Matt Miazga. Matt Miazga rapidly climbing up the list of favorite FCC players, because when there's a skirmish, skirmish there he immediately finds someone shorter than him to to talk shit to and i love that that energy i'm here for it lucho acosta finds his way into the middle of it anyway not to be a peacemaker but to start talking shit as well and yerson now rapidly rising up the chart as well because of course he is drawn to the sound of conflict when there is conflict he goes running into the burning building that's a guy i want on my team quickly too 
the man is fast. He had a yes. few moments yep. in the first five minutes where you're like, yes, I think he's just getting out of position to show how fucking sweet he is at tracking back. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. I don't know where he was on that one that uh, Jordan Morris almost scared, but wherever he was, that's where he should have been. God bless yeah. him. He, it might have been one of his moments where I, I don't know they uh, the center backs get their permission slip signed and they're allowed to go pretend to be a striker <laughs> for for five minutes. Um, but yeah, he was I, he was nowhere near that play. Um, and I just looked it up, Gustavo Vallecia, zero minutes so far for the Columbus Crew. So forgot he was there. Thank you for that. <laughs> yes, he is on loan from Colorado in one of the weirdest transactions that Colorado stands to lose money or break even. So that's not great. We so, nailed that uh, move. With Mascara, we have him for half a season. And do we have the option to extend or do they have the option to extend? Like So there is an option for us to extend it i would guess that that depends on whether or not they stay up in the premier league or not um it might just change the dollar amount but i don't know it's a weird it's a weird situation there for sure didn't love but. ian murphy coming in and then because i forgot who it was like who's our next center back i was like ah and then we put him in that bind where we almost gave away the game at the end. But I mean, Ian Murphy's fine, but there's yeah. a there's a jump between Premier League level talent and uh, was it Duke? <laughs> yes. Duke <laughs> but I love him too. I mean, he need, if he wants to get in my true good graces, he needs to talk shit real soon. Um, but I'll hang up and listen. You guys talk about the game, okay? I guess it was a good one, right? Oh, no. Jonah, thank you so much for, for joining us uh, this evening. It's always a pleasure. Hey, hey Jonah, rise together. Fries together. <laughs> always and forever. God bless. <laughs> All right. Now that, now that Jonah's gone, I want to burn my last headline. <laughs> oh, no. oh god we waited till jonah was gone to say this one yeah <laughs> i think it's important to remember that not everybody was at the game that that there's people people still watching these games at home and they're trying to get used to the new apple system so uh this was in a tv guide bemoaning lack of sideline reporters mls viewers identify what they miss most from apple broadcasts Women talking. <laughs> well done. Well done. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to uh, touch that one. Uh, the, uh, the other Oscar movie there. Um, I'll, I'll start off the, the conversation about this game this way. Is this a... Is this an important win for FC Cincinnati? I want to I want to put it in a category for us to debate. I don't think it's a top five most important or most impressive wins. I don't I don't I wouldn't go that far. Uh, and it's hard to get too excited for me knowing that Seattle really struggled for most of last year in MLS. So it's hard to say whether or not they're back necessarily after beating two bad teams to start the year. But Chief, what's your thought here? Is this is this an important milestone win for absolutely yeah no this is I, the, no questions asked this is one of the most important wins in fc cincinnati history Ooh. and the reason why is that for the first time since joining mls really for the first time since the crushed this league usl team this is an fc cincinnati team with expectations and 
the pressure of expectations. And it is just a flat out different experience being the plucky underdog or the team that's scraping and clawing its way back to relevance like it was last year, where they reached a certain point in the year and they were just playing with house money. You know, we put the expectations on them as a fan base that no one else did. This go around, you've got league pundits picking them as a supporter's shield uh, candidate. You've got, you know, league pundits calling them one of the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. And to play a game like this against what looks to be a top quality opponent this year. I know they were Seattle was bad last year. They still won CONCACAF Champions League last year. They still look like one of the best teams in MLS this this year. Um, and the evidence would probably suggest last year was a kind of an aberration. And if you have pressure on you and you have expectations on you, these are games you have to go out and win. And so, yeah, I think this was very much another in a long line of what we're going to see this year is prove it games from FC Cincinnati. And they just passed a very big early season test. So, yes, I think this was one of the most important games they have played in MLS. Grayson, same question. Yeah, so I, I do kind of want to put it in the category of top five wins that they've had um, only because I think there's not that much to pick right. from. Well, there's, to not be much, there's not much to pick from, and I want to get to like kind of that point as well. But um, this is kind of, this is a game that's like okay, like yeah, we kind of we're coming into the season thinking expectations are different. This is a different season for FC Cincinnati. It is in a different tier than it's ever been in Major League Soccer. But the first two games were let's say like unconvincing right yeah yeah but this is this is a win that's like okay like this is the type of win you need to get if you're going to be in these you know supporter shield kind of uh conversations and i think it's it's the win it's a statement win that's like not we have arrived but we are prepared to do what we have to do to arrive. And so yeah. I don't think by the end of the season, if things go well, this is going to be, you know, a, all that remarkable of a win, or at least you don't want it to be because you want them to have, you know, six, seven other wins like this one. You know, you want to have wins over teams that have been uh, very tough for us in the past, like, NYCFC, um, yeah. you know, Montreal, I, I know we, right? I know we had the win Columbus. over yeah, right. Got to you know, got to take at least one from from Columbus this year. You know, like there's a lot of stuff that I think is on their to do list. So yeah. I think you know, at the end that where we sit today, I feel like this is one of the most important wins, most important games they've ever had. But by the end of the season. You don't want it to be. You want it to be just this was a this was an unremarkable game that is one of many, you know, over the course of a of a really good season. I agree with yeah. that take completely. Uh, you want this to be routine, but the deal is right now this isn't routine. And so for right now in this moment, what are you looking at? 
You're looking at a game against, let's face it, we talked about it with Jonah. A Seattle is MLS royalty, okay? Yeah. Like, they are a team where you go down the list, you know who most of their players are, even still coming off a down year. They are one of the the tentpole programs of MLS. It's, it's like them, it's Portland, it's LAFC, it's NYCFC, um... I guess you could make a case for New York Red Bulls, but these are the teams that have been the driving force in MLS in terms of culture, advancing the brand, all that sort of thing. It's a big deal when one of those teams comes to town or when you go to one of those teams and play, and it's a big deal to win. And I'll throw this out there too. It's a big deal and it's a big win because this is not the blueprint that we drew up for FC Cincinnati going into this year. We did not have this team winning games one to nil. We didn't have them holding teams scoreless. We didn't have them holding teams without a shot on goal for did Seattle have one? We did one. One. And that was it was a it was a weak shot. It wasn't even something that troubled Roman, if I'm remembering it correctly. Right. Um that wasn't the blueprint. The blueprint for this team was you had three um, weapons at the top of the, the formation, Lucho, Vasquez, and Brenner, and they were gonna they were gonna put you in a body bag with goals and with offense. And the fact that this team showed that they've got another club in the bag um, in terms of different things they can do to beat you, and now this is three games in a row where they have shown that they can win low scoring defense oriented affairs or, you know, hold oppositions in check. If they can do this, we haven't even seen the best of what this offense can do yet, but if they can play defense like this, shit. Yeah. For for that, for that reason alone, this is a massive win for FC Cincinnati in terms of what they're building and what they're aspiring to this year. Yeah. Uh, It's this, in that way was absolutely that, that this was uh, proof of concept that the defense is working and improved and thank God is firing on all cylinders when the offense maybe isn't. Um, we didn't talk a whole lot about it with Jonah, but we should probably talk about it now. Uh, Brenner gets a goal in this game. Uh, FCC had a couple of decent chances. I will applaud Vasquez trying a uh, no look back heel kind of Rabona. It almost shot. worked. <laughs> <laughs> With shades of Alan Cruz against uh, Portland uh, sort of vibe there. It took a new sort of like heads up play clearance. It looked like Stephen Fry had sort of just resigned himself to that go. Going in before it was cleared off the line. Uh, but no, Brenner Brenner gets the shot uh, off. It deflects off of, uh, again, Stephen Fry's hand there uh, with the assist by Junior Moreno, or was it Acosta? So it was Junior Moreno got the primary assist, and okay, Acosta got a secondary is. assist. So Acosta did get on the statue. I the ho- see. The hockey assist. Yep. Yes, which MLS counts and other leagues don't, and I'm convinced it's so they can inflate their uh, players' numbers to make them look good when teams are only looking at top-line stat sheets when trying to buy players. So, oh, look at this guy. He's got five assists when any other league he has one assist. Um, 
But yeah, hell of a shot, hell of a goal. It was exactly what this team hasn't had uh, through the first three weeks until that moment, which is guys teeing off from the 18-yard box on goal. That was lovely to see. Uh, don't forget I, that the play was kicked off by uh, Obi causing a turnover in the midfield and passing the ball yes. to Acosta uh, yeah. from there. I, I was going to bring yeah. this. Up. I was going to bring this up eventually. I, we'll get back to Brenner, I'm sure. But Wobodo had another phenomenal game, and yeah. it's just becoming a bro- it's a broken record at this point. It, it's I don't even know it's a hot take anymore to say that if you're charting the course of FC Cincinnati over the past two seasons, the ascendancy period of FC Cincinnati, there's a pretty clear point when it starts. And it's, this is not to downplay what other people have done or how well other people have played, but this team has been in ascendancy since Wobodo got here. He yeah. is the engine that makes everything work on this team. Uh, defensively, for sure. Also, to a sneaky degree, offense as well in terms of starting um, the transition from defensive possessions to offensive possessions as well. He had a phenomenal game. I think he maybe put one foot wrong the entire game where he got blown by or he gave a bad turnover away and had. But even still, he caught back up to the play and finished it off and broke the play up that he caused the problem for. And so we ended just, up with the ball. Um, yeah. at the at the end of that. So, yeah. yeah. So I just I know he doesn't appear in the stat sheet as frequently, even though he got his first goal of the year this year. But just I, I've run out of things to say about Wobodo. He's just sublimely good at what he is being asked to do in this system. And yeah. I think any any consternation about, OK, do you want to use a designated player spot on a defensive midfielder? I mean, I, I know we I think we're all fine with it. Um, if it's the right guy, but I feel like anybody who who had second thoughts about about using the designated player spot uh, on OB, those are way gone because I was expecting. Frankly, all I all I wanted before we signed him was kind of a destroyer type, like a, another Jose Martinez. But yeah. OB is so he brings so much more because he's good with the ball. You know, like he's a good passer. Um, he doesn't just make tackles. He he wins the ball. He's committed. I feel like he's he's his fouls have got to be way down this year over last year. I don't think he has a yellow card yet uh, this yeah. season. His interceptions are incredible. Like he just cuts out plays with one little step into the field and, and it just completely cuts him out. Uh I mean, he's helping FCC win the field position battle, right? To like borrow an NFLism, but FCC's possessions are starting higher up the field on average with him on the field. And it is funny that, I mean, it's maybe a toss up between him and Acosta as to who's the most, I don't know, irreplaceable player on the team right now. Like, we are already resigned to the idea that one of, if not both, of Brenner and Vasquez will leave. I think we all feel pretty confident that somebody close to their skill set could be plugged in and do well. But, yeah, it'd be really hard to replace Obi uh, and Acosta, but Obi in particular. Um, and it's just, it's remarkable. Yeah, no. Well, well, 
well brought up there, Chief. <laughs> that, yeah. that absolutely needed to be to be brought up. But uh, um, on the, on the yeah. point of on the point of Brenner, it was good to see him get on the goal sheet. He he and Vasquez were both walk, came into this game as guys who just need to see one go in. Yeah, and um, Vasquez had. Vasquez has got something. He's in his own head, maybe a little bit right now with it. There was a, a great opportunity he had early in the game where a ball was played right through to him. And he sort of I don't know if he scuffed his first attempt to, uh, to to make contact or he sort of put his foot wrong and couldn't snap the shot off. But last year, he snaps that off and it's one nil within the first 25 minutes of the game. And this one, he just couldn't get the ball out from underneath his feet. And for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. And I'm not. Again, I'm I'm not worried about it. I'm not panicking about it, but I am aware of the fact that it's now three games that he has not uh, dented the back of the net yet. It's just something I'm keeping my eye on to that regard. But this was also the first game where he got decent service and had opportunities. So some of the balls that were being played in this game that were long balls, through balls, and switches were among the best I have seen FC Cincinnati play. The passing yes. was very, very good and led to some really dangerous moments. There was a play in the second half where I don't know who started it. It might have been Woboto, actually, now that I think about it. Um, just threaded a ball 35, 40 yards that just sort of bent right onto the feet of Brenner at a dead sprint. And it took an incredible behind uh, tackle from behind to prevent Brenner from having a second goal minutes after he'd scored his first one. So it was a good game from Brenner. I'm hoping him seeing one go in is going to help him going forward. Um, and I like the fact that he seems engaged, um, that his teammates seem to respond positively to him scoring. Uh, it, it looked like it was a good situation for him, a good moment for him. Yeah. Do we read anything more? I know we talked about it in the headlines, but is there anything to read into his no comment? Or is is that a non-issue? No, I have no idea what to. I have no idea what to read into that. I don't. Right, right. I have no idea yeah. what's going through his head. And if he wants to do to his talking on the field, I'm fine with that. Yep. Yeah. And I think I think huh. stuff. I think it's going to come for Brandon. Um, is I I've just felt that as soon as one of them got going, um, the other one's not going to be far behind because. If, you know, Lucho got his first assist or MLS assist, Brenner got his first goal this week. If the pieces around Brandon are playing well um, and are dangerous, then it's going to make it, it's going to be inevitable that he's going to get, he's going to get his goals and get his chances because um, it's just going to open up so much for him. Yeah. The, I, uh, uh, the, the other problem though, with this offense currently, if there is a problem with this offense is I know we all talk nice about Ray Gaddis uh, when Jonah was here during headlines. And there were a lot of things I liked that Ray Gaddis did in this game. What I, I didn't like from Ray Gaddis, and this plays a little bit into the Brenner situation, is that Gaddis gets into dangerous positions and the ball stops. So yeah. Gaddis gets the ball deep, but then for whatever reason, he's unable to, to, to get a cross in or get the ball to a next dangerous spot. And there were multiple times where we had to he had to turn around and play it back versus snapping something in to where Vasquez was coming in and could have gotten ahead on the ball or done something with it. So I'm hoping that maybe as we uh, 
because uh, Arias wasn't in this game, if I recall correctly. He was held out again. Yeah. So, you know, maybe as Arias, if Arias finds his way back to fitness, there'll be possibly some better opportunities for Brandon on the balls coming in from the wings that just weren't there with Gaddis for whatever reason. This is no knock on Gaddis. He's doing for yeah. what we pay him to do and for what his skill set is and for what his role on the team is. He had a great game, but he's limited in what he can provide to help the the, the guys up top who are paid to score the goals, I think. Yeah. And, you know, Arias was brought in to provide that extra threat on the outside to sort of complement Barial. And it's just not there again, which is fine, but it's this team is missing that other offensive gear that it had in week one where they scored a couple of goals, right? So um, interesting to see that play out. I also think, too, it'll be interesting to, to watch this. Um, Haglin with the red card will miss next week. Uh, we assume it'll be uh, Ian Murphy stepping up and, and filling in. I guess there's always the slight possibility that it's Alvis Powell filling in. There was, you know, trying to figure out lineups in preseason. It might have looked like he was filling in at center back and did come in at center back at the very end of this game. Uh but if you were looking at, and I know he just got his contract extension, but if you're looking at the possibility of Ian Murphy being the center back of the future and taking the starting job from Nick Haglin or making that more of an open competition, this would be the week to see that happen. He now has his opportunity to to start over Haglund. I don't is there is there really that much of a concern with him coming in? I mean, my my question on that is where do you where do you start Murphy? And you rearrange him, yeah. You know, Mosquera has been so good playing next to Barial. Um mm-hmm. and has given, I think, Alvis so much uh Alvaro, sorry, so much uh uh so so much freedom to, you know, get get forward. And so mm-hmm. and and a lot of our attack, you know, is up Alvaro's yeah. side. Um, is Murphy as defen- defensively sound enough to to play next to Alvaro, or do you put Murphy? You do you play him centrally to keep Mosquera next to Alvaro and move Miazga to the right? Um, or because he's yeah, left footed, right? Murphy's left like footed, and he's that's the concern about just throwing him. He's on He's right. played, I think, a little bit in the center, but mostly on the left. For us. Okay. Yeah. That'd be interesting. And maybe the argument for putting in Powell, um, because Powell is right footed and maybe you want to keep that balance there. I think you could, I think you could overthink this a little too much. It's, it's one, it's one game. Yeah. I would not touch at all what's going on with yours and mascara right now. That's, that's magic right now. Mm -hmm. It's working really well. He, I know we 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 touched on it in headlines already, but he had another incredible game. Just another fantastic effort from Mascara, who's looking like the best transfer they brought in this year by a long shot. Um, and for one game, I'll deal with a guy using his wrong foot or on the wrong side of the field for his foot. I mean, most of what he's going to be asked to do anyway is positioning. Um, yeah, you're not going to ask for a ton of playing the ball. At his, if, put it this way, 
if Ian Murphy is being asked to play the ball a ton, you, you, you have already gone so far. So many other things have fucked up at that point. If we're coming down to what foot Ian Murphy has the ball on. So I would I would do whatever is possible to try and create the minimum amount of disruption to the everyday 11. And if for some reason it's not working, I mean, hell. Last year, they had no problem pulling Murphy off at half when it wasn't working. And we're in the era of having too many substitutions. So I think there's less of a risk of putting a guy like Murphy on and seeing what happens. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they are playing Chicago this weekend. Yeah. Um, Chicago had two attacking players get red cards in the last game, uh, Kai Kamara and Fabian Herbers. Um, Former FC Cincinnati legend Kai, Kai Kamara. Kamara. Yeah. So, um, you know... I think if if you say, you know, okay, we'll just straight swap Murphy for Hagland and not make any other not disrupt anything else. I mean, it's a weekend you could probably get away with a little bit. Not to not to underestimate our opponent. Yeah. But let's underestimate our opponent. If you had <laughs> if you had to pick between having a team of eleven left footers and eleven or eleven right footers, what would you pick? Left to go left, yeah, you got to go left just because there's, I assume, not as many. Like it's the same idea with a starting pitcher, right? Like you just want a left-hander to mix it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a look not everybody is used to. <laughs> <laughs> just everyone's all fucked up. It's like, oh, another lefty. Huh? <laughs> They're not sure how to handle it. Um, yeah, uh, let's see here. I was gonna, I was gonna briefly run down the table, or at least take a look at the Eastern Conference here. But is there anything else well, we want to touch on for this game? Yeah, uh, I do want to touch a little bit on the. Um, so they go down. Hagland commits the foul. Yes, which the I think, end of the game. Yes, we should talk so about this. The end run to this game. I think he has to commit that foul. Yeah, I, I just think that the, the where they were in the game, how they were defending. And the amount of time on the clock, maybe if that's earlier in the game, you make that there's a case we made just, you know, you've got to let trust Roman to have that. But where they were right there, I have a I don't have a problem with him taking a 50 50 professional foul right there. But after he goes out, the alignment changes, they pull Brenner and Vasquez off and they clearly bunker for the point. And I thought the defense was outstanding after he mm-hmm. went off the field. The only real chance Seattle had came directly because Mascara got hit in the head and knocked to the ground, and his man was un- shockingly unmarked in the box after that happened. But other than that, it wasn't a really threatening Seattle 11 v. 10 situation. So that's a new thing for this team, that down a man – in closing time with an, just an ass load of extra added on time. And they mostly handled it professionally. I've got to go back and look this up just to make sure, but I've, I'm pretty confident, even with the changes that Albright and Noonan have brought that FCC in MLS has a negative goal differential when going up a man. So <laughs> I can't imagine we're any better going down a man in this case. Uh, so yeah, no, it was nice to see that. And honestly, like there were points where I forgot that we were down a man. Like it didn't really feel that way. And while the, uh, the extra time was quite a bit, excessive and it did sort of feel towards the end like they're just holding on until seattle scores 
I never really felt like Seattle was going to score. It never really felt in doubt. It was more annoying that the the whistle hadn't blown I, rather than any real concern. I was absolutely nervous because I always assume, sure. I always assume, and probably will way past when it's reasonable to make this assumption, if, even if it still is reasonable to make this assumption, I'm always going to assume we're going to give up a goal late, uh, right. especially, especially yeah. down a man. And, but, we're just hand-shy dogs at this point. That's why. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But it wasn't it wasn't one of those situations, though, where that we've seen in the past where you you're just barely escaping. Right. Right. Where they're they're getting lots of close looks and they're just hitting the bar or putting shots wide or you're just barely getting to the 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 ball before them or making some life saving tackle. I don't remember there being any of that. No, um, Roman didn't have to do anything like yeah. he, it wasn't even like they were being bailed out by great save after great save. They just denied Seattle the opportunity to have good looks. They played outstanding defense um, and engaged in a little bit of good time wasting too, booting the ball out of bounds, uh, you know, playing it off people's feet out of bounds, like looking to, to waste time when they could without it being ridiculous. I think I think there's a good argument also that like Sergio Santos might be the best player on the team to be have on the field when you're down a man. Because um, <laughs> whether he's trying to or not, well, because he's, well, he's, he's really good at time wasting, <laughs> but also, you know, his speed coming in late was mm-hmm. was really disruptive and it prevented them from building up out of the back very quickly a few times um he provided enough of a threat that yep. that you know it wasn't like they could really like send you know all 11 guys forward because he was able you know get the ball and and, and make some runs that they had to they had to deal with yep no for sure, and, and the other the other, yeah. the other nice part about all this too is that I, no knock on the guy because we are we are a pro Nick Haglin podcast, um, yep. and good for him. He got the contract, and it's it's I'm hoping that it's a contract of a type where if he has to transition more into a reserve role when they find someone better, that that contract terms are friendly, and he's just excited to be playing at home where he can. You know, root on the Musketeers in the NCAA tournament as a three seed. Um, <laughs> what's nice about this situation is that if you had to make a list of one to eleven of players you would least like to see get a red card and miss a match, Haglin's got to be ten or eleven, right? He's yeah, ten. He's pretty great. Him or Junior Marino? Oh, right? I would say him like, or Gaddis. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Especially if Santiago Arias is back this weekend. That's a great point. And Pal always seems serviceable. I'm I think, so surprised that Gaddis beat him. I think Laurel reported uh, over on Friday that Arius is expected back to training, back to team training on Monday. Okay. Yeah, that, re- that seems right. Did we talk at all about the the article that Pat Brennan wrote? about the the cars did we did we mention this at all we did not talk about it okay okay so this sort of ties into the ray gaddis situation right here where if you haven't read this article by the way go out this is a reason to subscribe to the newspaper go out and subscribe to the inquirer even if it's for just one month to read this story about 
um, while they were in training, FC Cincinnati rented like minivans, I want to say, instead of yes. chartering a bus. And they had all the players drive from the team hotel or wherever they were staying in minivans. And they assigned people cars to ride in as a way of like team bonding or whatever. <laughs> and they gave Ray Gaddis all of the young players. And there was the story was great about what kind of music was going on in the car. So like there was one car that was like just a party car. It was constantly late. They were playing like reggaeton music, driving around. <laughs> The Ray Gaddis car was listening to gospel music, <laughs> like, <laughs> like old school, you know, you know, church revival stuff. And all the young players were stuck in that car with Ray. So I don't wonder <laughs> a little bit if the reason why Ray is playing is that he's like the, the den mom that's out there. Yes. And he's just there to make sure that everybody stays in line and whatever formations that uh, Noonan has got cooked up. It's like, okay, guys, I know you want to have fun, but we got to do what coach says right now. And he's kind of the, he's the, uh, he's the RA on the yes. field. <laughs> so for that reason, yes, I say we hold uh, RESL against Chicago fire. No need to rush him back. Put Gaddis next to young Ian Murphy and he can mentor him through that game. And it'll be all, all will be well. Just they can running, listen to gospel music the, at halftime. Yeah. Running down the field, singing our God is an awesome God. Me. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> oh God. Uh, so yes. So then, Looking at it now, uh, FC Cincinnati is near the top of the table. Full disclosure, we're recording this before New England LAFC. So I, there is a chance for New England to beat them and leapfrog everybody and take the top spot in the East. Um, but that puts us tied with points on points with Atlanta and Nashville for the top spot and the upcoming opponent there, Chicago Fire. Uh, who was off thanks to the odd number of teams in MLS this year. There is a bye week every week. They were off week one. They drew and then lost their last game, sitting in 13th place. Feels pretty good uh, going into that one. Um, and then just to quickly peek ahead after Chicago, we have Nashville. So if you're looking for another sort of statement win, uh, a, a big important game in Nashville, That'll be one to keep an eye on. Again, not to look past Chicago, but kind of a tough stretch here with Seattle and Nashville being so close together. So this was somebody had this idea on the uh, on the Discord, the, uh, the the old post Discord here, Funko FCC. So asking for more team awards from time to time throughout the season. So we're three games in to this FC Cincinnati season. We have two wins and a draw on two home games and a road game. Who's your MVP so far for the first three game, the first trilogy of FCC matches of the year? So this is where I get annoying about MVP versus like best player, because the most important player uh, or the most valuable player in that sense is OB. But the best player has been Mosquera. So that's how I will try to separate those two. I don't know, Grayson. Well, what do you think? Pick, pick one. Okay, I will give it to Obi. He's the MVP of the first three games here. Obi's Obi's my MVP of the first three games as well. See, I'm gonna hit you. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with your other take, Kevin. I think it's Mascara. I think Ooh. that we're talking about a defense and a back line that has been incredibly improved, and they added a young, incredibly athletic, incredibly talented player on the back line. And 
don't get me wrong. I sang the praises of Obi a few minutes ago. Obi's been phenomenal. Just absolutely sublimely yeah. good. Mascara is looking like a MLS best 11 candidate right now, like flat out. Like, and the level of improvement that he has made since joining the team week to week has been incredible. And remember, this is a league he's never played in before. Right. And generally <laughs> speaking, with, with MLS targets that come in from overseas, there's an adjustment period where the player gets better after that. I mean, even with Obi last year, I think, Grayson, you brought it up about the uh, the foul situation. Um, Obi, for his first couple of games, he was very good. He was committing a shitload of fouls in those Yellow first games. Game. With, Absolutely. And he sort of it took him the better part of a month to a month and a half to figure out, OK, how is this league officiated? Who's playing in this league? What's the pace at this league? And then he finally got into his groove that he's been in ever since, where he's playing incredibly effectively without accumulating cards and accumulating fouls. Even he, where we think he's been good since jump, even he got better in terms of how he plays his game. If Mascara is going to make a similar type of jump after having four to six weeks in the league, and this isn't the best that he has to offer, <laughs> and he's still coming back from injury too. I mean, I know they happened a while ago, but there had to have been some question of, you know, can he trust his knee or, or whatever the exact injury was coming back and he's doing fine. And yeah, it is interesting to see the, the expectations or the, uh, you know, the, the request for time that we're being asked to give someone like Marco Angulo versus Mosquera, where obviously Mosquera moved earlier to England um, in his career and has had that time away from home and abroad that uh, uh, Angulo hasn't. But it is interesting that they're similarly profiled players, similar enough transfer fees coming out of South America. And yeah, one has taken to it much faster much quicker than the other one um no it's a great show uh, i was gonna give another award a mr irrelevant award to roman celentano uh because he's <laughs> not had to do much through three weeks and that is by no fault of his own he has had a couple of great saves but um yeah he it also it wasn't his, him yeah his big moment in this game was almost horrendous though oh my <laughs> god Yes. What was he, he really doing? Misjudged that. What was he doing? <laughs> and so, I mean, it would have been hor- it would be horrendous to be that far out of position and give up a goal from that far out. But the fact that he almost did it to Jordan Morris, the human rectangle, I just I I can't. Roman, yeah. you got Roman. If I know he's a big listener, Roman, <laughs> you can't do that to me. This is just this is just the chief talking to you. Morris, I talked so much shit about Jordan Morris in the World Cup, the, the World Cup buildup. I called him a bum. I said he didn't belong there. I, the, Jordan Morris is the the Mendoza line of MLS. It's the goal of MLS is to find a player that is as bad internationally as Jordan Morris, where you're not going to lose him to a bigger market like. You can't let that guy score on you. Just for me personally, I can't deal with that. Um, Morris, uh, uh, Morris does look like a rectangle, but what he, what actually, <laughs> what actually I think of is, uh, so he moves, he puts his, he like hunches his like head like so far like down and forward when he runs that he looks like uh, Gossamer from Looney Tunes, the big red like carpet <laughs> monster. Yes. yes. <laughs> 
There was a, there was a, this is just uh, the March Madness theme this week. There was a dude that played for Xavier who most people have only heard of because he got decked by Yancey Gates in the brawl during the Constantine shootout, Kenny Freeze, yes. who was allegedly like six foot 11, but he always played hunched over. Like he never stood up straight. So he played at six nine because the fucker never stood up when he was playing. And that's Jordan <laughs> Morris. Jordan Morris, he hunches over and like compresses his neck into his body. So it looks like he's a character that's not rendered with enough polygons on like an N64 game. It really does look like, yeah, what a, like those middle year FIFA games where it's like, yeah, that looks kind of like a player. Like, that's pretty good for 1998. <laughs> <laughs> or he would be a character in the James Bond games that you would not be allowed to play because his hitbox is all fucked up. <laughs> yes. Yes. The, the, the headshots don't quite track properly. Uh, I'll hit you with one last, uh, I don't want to call it award. I'll, I'll throw it on a watch list. Lucho Acosta. I'm calling it three bad games in a row. S something to keep an eye on. I can, I can explain away strikers not getting opportunities, or, you know, Brenner getting a goal. Acosta hasn't looked sharp for three weeks. I'm okay. not hitting the panic button, but it's on a watch list. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick up for my, my little man here. Um, <laughs> I think it's a coaching issue with Lucho Acosta right now. So I'm not going to blame Lucho Acosta. This is a Pat Noonan issue. Because if you mm. watch the way teams are defending FC Cincinnati, it is very clear through three games that the book on defending FC Cincinnati is to swarm Acosta as soon as he gets into the attacking third. And in most of these games, whenever the ball is coming centrally to Acosta, there's a man on him, a man waiting for him, and a man charging up behind the guy waiting on him. So there is going to have to be a tactical adjustment that is made on the training ground, and it's going to have to come from Noonan and the coaching staff as to what they can do to either create more space for Lucho or to have options that are immediately available to pivot, switch and move the ball around to punish teams for doing this. But it happened multiple times in the Seattle game. You saw it happen multiple times in Orlando and Lucho's good. He's not beat three guys good, although he damn near right. did beat three guys at least once during this game. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say this for, for Lucho as well. He's still currently third, tied for third in MLS in shot creating actions. So hmm. there's some there's some stuff, you know, I agree he has he feels like he's just a little bit behind where he was most of last year um, yeah. and uh, you know, missing some passes and maybe not being playing quite as sharp as, as well, definitely not playing as sharp as you want him to be. Um, but he's still, he's still been influential and, you know, he still contributed to the goal um, against Seattle and the second goal against uh Houston I believe was started by a beautiful takedown from him from yeah, that yeah. long pass from Roman or from Mascara yeah um the he did he did there. have a really nice yeah. take on a long pass from Roman but uh it, it against Houston it wasn't it that Mascara played the pass and Lucho brought it down real nicely found Alvaro and then that led to Obi's goal um yeah 
I mean, I want more. I mean, three goals over three games is not what you want from the offense, and that comes down to our big three. Yeah. Do you, do you think Lucho needs to get into a fight? I've been thinking about this too. That that he, I don't know, but he plays angry. He yeah. plays. Um, he runs a little hot sometimes. Maybe somebody. Maybe he's a guy that just needs to be hit in the face once to really wake himself up for the year. That he really hasn't gotten into the season yet. Some get into a mix, mix it up with someone. Just sort of, I don't know. Just be reminded that you're Lucho fucking Acosta, and you can do whatever you want. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. No. I. I. I want to see more. So I'm. It's, I'm not panicking or anything yet. But there we go. Uh, well, gentlemen, I think that does it for our Seattle wrap-up show. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think that's that's all we got for this week. Uh, again, check us out on Thursdays. We. Uh, we we do this twice a week for better or for worse so um it's a little less soccer on thursday if you can believe that i don't know if we got you a lot of soccer this this uh this episode but um but yeah keep keep it in your feed and uh yeah we'll see you on thursday fuck columbus All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.